Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everyone, to our Orange and Brown Talk Game Preview Podcast. It is finally here, week one. Uh, Browns at Panthers in Charlotte. Baker Mayfield going against his former team. Uh, We've got all sorts of stuff coming your way. We're going to do some prop bets a little bit later. We're going to do our game picks and some season predictions at the end. And our old buddy Ellis Williams is going to join us on this podcast as well. Mary Kay and I talked to him about What else? The Carolina Panthers and Baker Mayfield and the vibe in Charlotte leading into this game. Let's start here, though. We want to give everybody something they need to know for Sunday's game. Mary Kay, what does what does everyone need to know for Sunday? For Sunday's game, uh, what everyone needs to know is the fact that uh, the Cleveland Browns are going to have an explosive offense that will be full of fireworks as Jacoby Brissett I I mean as Amari Cooper told us today Um, now but in in all seriousness uh, the Browns are not going to completely dial it back Uh, they are going to go out there and try uh, to hit some explosive plays if they can Uh, they'll use their tight ends downfield to do that if they need to Uh, They'll try to hit Amari Cooper on some bigger plays. I don't think they've ruled out using Anthony Schwartz to try to take advantage of his speed. Um, So I think that, you know, even though everyone is expecting sort of a a plotting, very, you know, kind of heavy run oriented offense, I think it might be a little different than some people expect. So I actually wrote about this today. And one of the things that I, I was thinking about was the Browns are in this unique situation where, they have like at least, well, at least two running backs, maybe three, possibly four, who are pretty explosive in the ground game. And there were a couple questions today, like, you know, when, when he says there's going to be fireworks, well, how can you say that everybody's expecting you to run the ball? But Amari and Alex Van Pelt, Doug, both basically said, you can create fireworks in the ground game too. <laughs> now, they weren't saying exclusively in the ground game, but... I don't think that rules out necessarily a a game plan that relies on the run with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and their ability to score from anywhere. Oh yeah. No, I don't believe any of this. I think if you have fireworks, you don't, you don't talk about it. So um, I, I think they're that's to say fireworks makes me less 
makes me think less that they're going to have fireworks because they're trying to speak something into existence. Now, the main point about what is Nick Chubb best at? Well, let's get it out in that outside zone and hit a cutback lane and boom, shakalaka, right? 65 yards. We all know that's there. That's always there. That's, that's like what they do. That is who they are. Because, you know, it's not really about Nick Chubb for three, Nick Chubb for four. It's about get Nick Chubb warmed up and then pop something. So that exists every single game for the Browns. But um, I'm actually not, I wasn't there to hear it. You guys are doing all the reporting. I'm just sitting in front of a microphone and and bashing everything the Browns say. (laughs) But, like, I don't know that I would want them talking about fireworks two days before the game. I'd rather just surprise people with fire. Are surprise fireworks better than ones you know are coming? I don't, I don't know about that. I, th- I think surprise fireworks would scare me. If I was just walking down the street and there were fireworks, Ashley, I think they would actually scare me. Yeah, that's actually happened to me. I mean, I live downtown, so whenever the Guardians are playing, that's always a risk because they shoot a firework off anytime there's a home run when they win the game. And sometimes there are firework nights and I wasn't aware of it. It is kind of scary. So I don't mind that they were talking about it. <laughs> Um, ahead of time, especially because I think there's been some flack that the Browns have been getting for the way they're talking about Jacoby Brissett. Mary Kay and I were talking a little bit about this uh, not that long ago, earlier today. Um, but it's, you know, it's it's like the way they've been talking about him as like this leader, this game manager. It's like, okay, but like, can he throw the football? Like, it's that kind of stuff um, that they're getting criticism for right now. So I didn't mind so much what Amari Cooper said. Um, and I do, I did think the quote from Alex Van Pelt was funny about, I think you asked him, Dan, the, the question about if running backs can also provide fireworks. And he said, it might be sparklers, but there's still fireworks. Because I think when you use that term, the connotation is explosive passing. And of course, there are still explosive running plays uh, that we've seen the Browns do. But I, I also understand Doug's hesitancy, because think about this offense the last time we saw it. It was the exact opposite of explosive. So I think Doug, and correct me if I'm wrong, maybe you're inclined to to wait and see what this actually looks like and if they're going to be able to manufacture some of that explosiveness that they really needed and really lacked towards the end of last year when it was a bunch of, say it with me, five and six yard passes mm. to tight ends. Yeah. I just, I'll just wait to see. Yeah. Yeah. I, re- I like sparklers. They're fun. You can write with them in the air. Like you can... S- you know, swing them around and spell your name and all sorts of stuff. I like sparklers. Are you, are you, uh, are you a sparkler guy? No, I need, the, I need the <laughs> biggest and best fireworks possible from the store. Sparklers last. I mean, think, think about when we were kids, because that's usually when we use sparklers specifically for the July celebrations. How long did they last? Maybe 10, 15 seconds, maybe 20. If, if you're really big on it. With, with everything going on with the offseason with the franchise, a, a sparkler is not going to do, especially within the, the week one, because you're looking to win your first week one and what I, I believe like like 17 seasons. At least somebody correct me if I'm like 17, 18 seasons. So, so, so yeah, oh four. Yeah, yeah. No, we we can't go. We can't go out there looking to get a sparkler, or in this case, a spark. Everybody has to go out there ready to get fireworks going. If it means if it means going, going within the ground game, so be it. If it means getting Nick Chubb started or he can eclipse his career high, you know, 1,200 yards, like as he did last season, get him going, running, so be it. If that means Brissett has to throw over a 13-yard pass to get the fireworks going, so be it. Play out of your comfort zone. And I believe that they have a good game plan going. They're just keeping it, you know, kind of more so on the 
calling right now and talking to us. All right. My thing to know. Oh, Mary Kay, reading your story today about Miles Garrett. My thing to know, this is why I'm going to go second, because I want to be able to say this one, and Mary Kay didn't. Go read Mary Kay's story on Cleveland.com slash Browns about Miles Garrett's relationship with Baker Mayfield. All you really need to know, Mary Kay, Miles Garrett left Baker on red. Dan, you stole mine. Mm. Yes. I was going to take it. I'm so upset. <laughs> I knew what it. A great, I what a great it. lead to a story. I can't, I, believe, I, said, I can't believe I didn't take it. Like, why I didn't know. I take it? That was, that was pretty dumb. <laughs> that was but i it's been a long day <laughs> so like so mary Kay, miles garrett might be playing it cool but i think he wants a little more than just two sacks on baker mayfield <laughs> yeah you know what i was very surprised that um you know that he shared that anecdote with me that he uh received this text from baker mayfield and he just didn't answer it. I was, I was very surprised. He was very forthcoming about that. And I really do think that that sort of summed up uh, the relationship struggles between these two and the strain between the two of them. And I do think that that coupled with what Baker supposedly said, uh, I do think that, that Miles Garrett is going to have his game face on for this game. And I think his teammates are going to back him up. And I think they're going to really try to make for a long afternoon for Baker Mayfield. Yeah, that's Ashley. I mean, why were you going to take this one? What, what was, the, what was it just because it was such a good anecdote? Yes, it's an amazing lead. And I was just, I mean, I texted you guys this, but it's such a power move by Miles Garrett. <laughs> like, not only that he did it, but the fact that he told Mary Kay about it on the record and wasn't afraid to do that. I think this just kind of exemplifies that this is a, a new Miles that we are seeing um, in recent years. You know, he wasn't afraid to speak his mind last year. I think he's really found his voice. When he does this stuff, I think it has a purpose. Um, and how many conversations did we have last year, you know, behind the scenes where we heard from Miles Garrett after that Baltimore game where they get four interceptions and they lose. Miles Garrett limped up to the podium after the Packers game and got asked the Baker Mayfield question and took maybe the longest 10 second pause I had ever heard in my life before he went on to answer it. I don't even remember exactly what the question was, but the, you know, it's a game where Baker threw four interceptions and it was like, what are the feelings around Baker right now? He's playing through all this and you could just see it. You could see the frustration building. And I thought in his answer to Mary Kay, what was so interesting was how he said, we had a few disagreements on a base level, but I'm not still mad. Like it was the way, way he worded it. Like he may not still be mad, but it's because Baker's not on the team anymore. Like, you know, Baker was still here. Like if you're having disagreements on a base level and you're the two leaders, quote unquote, on opposite sides of the ball, that's a problem. Like, and I think we all kind of saw this last year, right? And when people talked about chemistry being off, this is kind of a glimpse into why for me. And I think, you know, we can never truly know what was going on in those locker rooms and how much of it was COVID related because these guys were in separate locker rooms last year. But I, I just think it's clear that Baker was not a unifying force on this football team last year. And he was actually probably actively a dividing force after the Odell stuff happened. I re- I'm just, not- uh- oh, go ahead, Mary Kay. I just want to say something real quick too. As I was writing this today, I was thinking, God, how did I sit on this for a week? And what was I thinking? And why did I do it? And then I remembered 
that um, just a, a handful of us, a few of us got a one-on-one, -on -one, you know, we're lucky enough to get Miles one-on-one -on -one, and we coordinated when we were going to be able to run the stories and today was the day. So I kind of had to wait until today, um, but I'm still, you know, you know, just surprised that, you know, that he was willing to kind of go there and confirm what we have known and that is uh, that that tensions were high between the two. And I think it kind of dates back. It, it predates this, but it kind of came to a head when Baker went on national television and called out Miles after the helmet incident. I don't think anything's ever really been quite right since then. Irie, I'm not mad at you, but when you send me a text that says, hey, it was great working together and growing together, and I don't, I'm just not going to respond. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, I mean, that's not, that's not from, from one side, from, from bigger side, he's thinking, what, what the heck, you're not going to spend a few seasons, you know, our first few seasons together, and you're not going to at least give me a okay or thank you or something, regarding Miles, and I, I forget who I said earlier, but regarding his voice being, you know, him really finding his voice, of course, it, it was, it was going to happen at some point, this guy was not from the top 10, uh, regarding the top 100, you know, players from the NFL network, he's ready to win. He, he's going to be a future Hall of Famer. At some point, you're going to find your voice, and you're not going to really care who appreciated it or not. So that's, you know, definitely something. And Mary Kay, I, I know sometimes you say, man, like, I was surprised to, for him to tell me I said that. But that's like the fifth time in like the last days where you said, like, <laughs> you're, you're surprised somebody's giving you, you know, like like Michael was giving you uh, the story for the first time publicly, or Miles Garrett saying this. But going back to Garrett, I mean, this he's ready to, to cause a reckoning. He's ready to, to get us his number one spot, even if that does mean you know second bigger a few times, which I look forward to. So, yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting. Doug, have you ever left anybody on red just just for fun? Not on purpose, only because I didn't know how a text worked. Maybe <laughs> I just got to say, if if Ashley had an agreement. Oh, it's not my day to run the story. But she found out that someone left the text unread. Ashley would be like, I don't care what I agreed to. I'm writing that in five minutes. This is the worst thing that I've ever heard of someone doing to someone else. No. Leaving a text unread. That is a bridge too far, my friend. So it's just generational Mary Kay that you and I are like, I don't know. It's a text. What? I don't know. It's a thing. I guess it <laughs> Ashley is like, I can't believe this happened. Yes. The other thing is, how about if Miles Sachs Baker, he stands up. And then he pulls out a fake cell phone and sends a text and then says, <laughs> consider yourself red Baker. That should be a sack celebration. Who was it that had the cell phone? Who's who did the touch? The, I can't believe I'm forgetting. So was it Terrell oh. Owens that did the, uh, I had the, didn't someone have a cell phone, like taped yeah. to the goalpost or something. Yes. Uh, people are yeah. going to be mad at me if I got that wrong, but there were, there was some, one of these receivers did that once. Uh, go ahead. Ash. I really quick. This is a sidebar. It's kind of off topic, but I have to say it. So at the wedding I was in last weekend, my like groomsman partner was like, we have to do a, you know, an entrance thing. And he's like, what if I roll out the red carpet and then pretend to take pictures of you? And I was like, oh, like Richard Higgins' touchdown celebration. Yeah, that's funny. And he goes, who is Richard Higgins? <laughs> so I just had to tell that story because it's very fitting for this. Week. And then you said, I would like a new groomsman partner. I can't I be near I this person. I was like, I cannot be with this person anymore. <laughs> I don't Weird. remember what his name is, but. If he's listening to this, Scott Patsko just randomly joined the I Zoom. Know. Let's go. <laughs> I know, Scott. Can you give us a 45 introduction to Richard Higgins so I can send this to the <laughs> wedding party? 
Thank I like you. to imagine Ashley like being the bachelorette. And then when the guys come in, they just have to be able to have a competent football conversation with her. Or she's like, I'm done with you. Or like a basketball conversation. Or just like, you're out. That'd be good. Well, yeah, you would do right. that, right? You'd do that, Ashley. You'd be the bachelorette, yeah. wouldn't you? Yeah, Sports I'd team be bachelorette. an amazing bachelorette. Are you joking? You would be. NBC, call me. Call me. What are we doing here? Can we can we lightning round these last three here? And we'll kind of pick and choose what we want to react to. Doug, why don't you go first? I don't mean to do this because it's very easy to do this and I'm not doing it on purpose, but I feel like I was there at times before, so I'm going to give myself this. The thing that people should know is Baker Mayfield still might be a top 15 quarterback in the NFL. So there was a time two years ago when we were doing this stuff where it's like, we think he's 12th. I think we had the cut. We think he's 12th. And you run through right now, right in that middle, right? You get through like 12 or 14 guys like, ah, Baker's not as good as them. And then you get to a part where good, healthy Baker you know what? Like, so we've also said things like, oh, they can't win with Baker. Like he's a mate. He's Baker maybe field, right? All that stuff. But healthy Baker, he might be good. <laughs> like he, like, I don't care about the t-shirts. I don't care about unread texts. As far as the quarterback play on Sunday, it's possible that the quarterback for the Carolina Panthers is kind of good and plays like the 14th, 16th. 15th best quarterback in the NFL, which I maybe people could forget. Ashley. I would say my thing to know is just that this defense, I think is going to be more positionless than we even realize right now, because I was thinking today when we heard Joe Woods talk and he made a comment about miles looking like a running back coming off of the edge. And we've heard him say that before, right? We've heard him say that same thing about JOK, about Jacob Phillips. We've heard him say that sometimes he'll walk past Martin Emerson and think he's a linebacker. Like, I think they've just accumulated these guys at this point so that they can get the best 11 out there on the field for any situation. And I think they're not going to tell us too much about that, obviously, but I really just think these guys, this is a very versatile group from what we've seen. I think we're going to expect a lot of different packages from them and um, I just think it's going to look different and more um, like well put together from last year because there wasn't as many absences for them to deal with I like both of those Irie so no 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 I mean this isn't okay I this is actually what I, I've been thinking about I think I, I definitely say now it kind of becomes reactive with regarding Brissa this offense is not one that people I think should be as conflicted as they've been because Jacoby Brissett does not need to go out there and go out for 500 yards. This is a very diverse offense game. So you have different styles. You go within the wide, the wide receiving core. You have Amari Cooper, who, as we saw earlier today, is more so one of the OGs uh, leading the receiving core. Dan, you spoke to him. He's pretty much a technician when it comes to his, his routes and his footwork. He's really going with the, within the young guys, David Bell, Donovan, People Jones. I wish my Carly was in the mix, but I digress. Um, and then, <laughs> and then uh, the ground game is really going to elevate, not only because Nick Chubb is amongst the best in the league, but also because it's going to pass down. Because then you have Kareem Hunt, you have Johnson, who poses on with an impact. Every single back on that team can start. I mean, you, Jerome, Jerome Ford could probably start for at least 10 teams right now in the NFL. What, 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 what? The fifth round pick running back could start for 10 teams? I can't let that yes. slide by. I couldn't help it. What are we doing? What, what? The fourth running back for the Browns could start for Doug, a third of the Doug, teams in the league? Doug, Doug, let's, Doug, let's, now, Doug, they're getting, they're Doug, not even going to have a winning Doug, record. Let's Doug, relax. Doug, Doug, let's Doug, relax, Doug, new guy. Doug, My Doug, gosh. Doug, Doug, did, did I, have I cut you off at all? 
Don't make me save up my notebook again. I will take my notes down. Irie takes notes. Yeah, take he notes does. on the fact that Jerome Ford couldn't start for 10 teams in the league. Write that in your notebook. I don't think we have time to go through every running back in the league, but yeah, you're, I got, I think I got to side with Doug on this just because that's what we do to Irie. That's what we do to Irie on this podcast. Side with me for once. <laughs> Let me have a, what? Agree with my hot, yo. No, not that, not, not that the fourth <laughs> running back for the Browns is, he muted himself. He just muted. I don't. I don't blame him. We were about to have our second f bomb in a row dropped here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Um, oh man, those were all pretty good, and I think we're probably going to end up circling back to those a little later when we get to our our prop bets. So, what we're going to do right now is we're going to take a break. On the other side of this break, you're going to get to hear the Panthers side of things. Uh, our old buddy Ellis Williams, who covers the Panthers in Charlotte, is going to join us. That's on the other side of this break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Welcome back, everyone, to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, and we are thrilled to be joined by an Orange and Brown Talk alum, a former Cleveland.comer, now covers the Carolina Panthers for the Charlotte Observer. Ellis Williams is with us. Ellis, it's great to see you again. I'm so happy to see you all. Look, some things never change. Ellis is running late, wearing a black (laughs) Nike hat, and we're about to talk about Baker Mayfield and Rashad Higgins, right? (laughs) absolutely it's great to see you ellis we've had a great time reading all your stuff about baker mayfield and richard and uh it's really cool that we all get back together for this so uh welcome aboard and i'm going to throw the uh first question out at you here and of course it's going to be on our old friend baker mayfield so what's it been like to cover baker how ready is he for this football game and what do you have for us about baker Yeah, it's been uh, a whirlwind covering Baker. Uh, I'll start in with the beginning, right? When Baker got here, you saw a side of him that, at least in my time covering him at Cleveland.com, I hadn't seen. Maybe it was reminiscent of his rookie year when you come in, sort of head down, realizing that you need to earn the trust and respect of your teammates. Uh, But as I said, with the whirlwind process that this has been, that all happened very quickly. And I think we're already at preseason 2021 Baker in the sense that he feels confident. He feels comfortable. I remember that training camp vividly, uh, you know, like when one of the linebackers came and gave Baker a little shoulder when he was running out of bounds and Baker had some choice words. I think it was uh, uh, Phillips, Jacob Phillips. Um, Just that type of, this is my team. And that's how Baker's always been, right? And then we get the first Baker Mayfield experience here in Carolina with the Cynthia Freeland comments and the back and forth there. He did say it and then didn't say it. Uh, Now there's T-shirts and we haven't even played ball yet, right? So in just this really month, and Baker's technically been a Panther for five and a half or six weeks, 
Um, we've seen it all except results on the field, which I'm sure we're going to get into, and I can forecast that as well. Um, we shall see, but uh, Panthers fans are already getting a, a quick dose of everything he brings to a, a franchise. So I'm curious about this offense that Ben McAdoo is going to run for Baker, because obviously when, when you were here, you remember Kevin Stefanski brought in this, you know, Shanahan type of offense. It really seemed to fit Baker. He excelled in it over those last eight games last year. He actually played fairly well in the, you know, six quarters before he got hurt last season. What is Ben McAdoo going to do offensively? Is, is it going to be more open than it was here in Cleveland? And do you think that's a good or a bad thing for Baker if it is? It's a fascinating question. I think the conundrum with Baker Mayfield is he doesn't know what is best for him as in a playing style, what offense fits him best. Because you'd think the best offense for him would be exactly what Kevin Spansky was doing. But we all know where that went. And now he's in a system where, and talking to evaluators before Baker got here, they compared to Freddie Kitchens in 2018, meaning shotgun, get the ball out quick, and give yourself options at the line of scrimmage. I've already seen it in training camp. The scrimmages with the Patriots, when they weren't busy fighting, <laughs> Baker would be at the line of scrimmage deciding what one-on-one -on -one matchups he wanted. And you guys know better than anyone, he's going to take those shots. Uh, we haven't seen Christian McCaffrey and him really stand next to each other much in the gun. That's going to be the, the big reveal uh, come Sunday at, at 1 p.m., so I can't answer the question completely because the best chess piece has not been activated, right? But I've seen Baker take those one-on-one -on -one shots. I've seen him get the ball out quickly. I've seen him focus in on that slot receiver. They've got a, a second-year guy named uh, Shai Smith here, who if it wasn't for Christian McCaffrey, I would forecast as being the go-to guy just because Baker loves looking across the middle, finding that outlet, and, and feeding him the ball. So I'm not sure if this offense is the best fit for Baker. But according to his T-shirt, this is where he wants to be off the leash. Yeah, I mean, that was the whole thing, obviously, last year that he felt he was on that leash. And boy, what a way to troll the Browns with these T-shirts heading into this game. I mean, it just adds so much to the game. But I'm so curious, what's your gut feeling? I mean, we watched Baker Mayfield last year. We saw what defenses took away, the keepers, the bootlegs. Right. We saw teams try to hem him into the pocket. Uh, we saw teams try to get their hands up uh, at the line of scrimmage and bat down balls. What's your gut feeling on, uh, you know, on what the Browns might try to do and how Baker is going to be able to counteract it? Yeah, it's a great question. The, the, when you forecast this out, the best version of what the Panthers are hoping for is 2020 Baker, specifically that back-end stretch Baker Mayfield, uh, to end the 2020 season combined with the 2018 Baker that of course broke the rookie passing touchdown record for the Browns to combat that. I asked the, their um, offensive coordinator that today, Ben McAdoo, what is it about that Browns defense that over some plastic here, but what's, what's going to give you problems there? Of course it's Miles Garrett and Javion Clowney, but the focus is those linebackers. He raved about Anthony Walker and, and JOK. And then that, you know, he was candid about how that then opens them up for the corners, Denzel and Greg, to play different types of coverage. They, they're comfortable in man, which then gives those linebackers I just referred to freedom to do what they want, which if I'm reading the tea leaves there means Baker's going to get some 
surprise coverages. And he has struggled against robber defenders. We all remember the pick six in Pittsburgh to make a Fitzpatrick that started the game and ended it at the same time. Those Baker has thrown picks in camp to robber linebackers, defenders that pre-snap he does not anticipate being there. And then all of a sudden, even when he doesn't turn his back to the defense, are there. So I'm not sure Baker will have the answers yet. I think surprisingly Carolina is going to come in and try and run the football and run it often, whether that's with Christian McCaffrey, Deontay Foreman, who they signed or Chuba Hubbard, who got a work, a lot of work last year. So this is more of a, a Baker adjacent question, but this is obviously a matchup that is going to affect him a lot. And that is a rookie left tackle yeah. uh, in Ikem Equanu, the number six overall pick in the draft. And he's going to be going against Miles Garrett, most likely, a lot. How are the Panthers going to deal with that matchup? There's going to be a plan. You, you, you think you're going to go in and leave a tight end in to help the kid out. But I was talking to one of the other beat writers today about this. And football eventually becomes a game where you have to make a play call quickly and you trust your guy to do their job based on assignment. It's a long way of saying Ika McQuanu is going to be isolated one-on-one against Miles Garrett, you know, four times in the second quarter or random three times in the third quarter. And God forbid for the Panthers fans with two minutes to go in the fourth quarter when Baker Mayfield has to go win the game, right? It's just going to happen. And I'm comfortable going on the record and saying Ekum is going to struggle. In, in week one, he, he, he will struggle. I, I expect it. I anticipate it. And that's not a knock on the young man. He's got a bright future. He's a hell of a talent. Physically looks the part. Athletically can move. But ask any evaluator coming out. He is a run blocking mammoth, a beast, a, a pancake machine, right? His pass blocking is what needed refining and work. And I had a plenty of evaluators tell me that it would have made sense to keep him at guard at first and then transition to tackle when the time was right. Did the Panthers perhaps have that luxury with some depth? I kind of think so, but that's not what they're doing. He's out there, and now it's time to go. And I know we're not here to talk about the rest of the Panthers' schedule, but they got the 49ers and Nick Bosa on that schedule. They got Joey Bosa. Um, they've got uh, Cleo Mack is there with the Chargers. Uh, they've got the Rams. There's going to be a lot of challenges earlier in the schedule for Ike McQuanu, and probably the best one is coming first in week one. You know, Ellis, as I was driving home from Berea today, uh, I heard the stat that I think they were, what, four and three last year when Christian McCaffrey was either in the game or something, and then one and nine when he wasn't or didn't do something. I can't remember exactly what the parameters were. But the point here is, can Christian McCaffrey kind of take over this game and just play lights out and surprise everybody and, and go help them win this thing? There's a real likelihood of that. He's the most unguardable player in football. I used to think that went to Lamar Jackson, who I took every chance to watch live when, you know, we were seeing him twice a year. Um, But Christian McCaffrey, his feet just hit the ground more than their defender in the same amount of yards, if that makes sense. It's like his feet are pistons, right? And he just is quicker, faster than everyone around him. Again, sort of like the Ika McQuanu uh, question, there are rules that a defense has that it has to follow regardless of the player put in those spots. So 
the Browns are never going to mean to leave Christian McCaffrey one-on-one with any of those linebackers or any of those safeties, but eventually it's just going to happen. And, and Christian will make them pay for that. And the bad news for Cleveland is that this game's happening week one and Christian McCaffrey is hundred percent healthy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a little later in this podcast, folks are going to hear me ask Doug Maurice this question. I'm curious if you were drafting skill position players in this game, would you, you would you take McCaffrey number one? Is Doug going to come on and have his Carson Wentz rocks poster right here? I've been, I've been waiting to see oh, that. We all have, we all have been waiting for this Carson Wentz poster and it has not shown up yet. Shout out Doug. I, I miss that dude. Um, I'm sorry. Give me the question one more time. <laughs> if we were drafting skill oh, players, yeah. would McCaffrey be the number one pick? He has to be. He, he has to be. There's just no answer for him. Uh, and, and one thing that always comes up with Christian is how are the Panthers going to use him? You know, you got to protect him. His usage is too high. Throw all that out the window. It's all window dressing. It's all coach speak. This guy is going to get it between 15 and 20 carries and have between six and 10 targets. Book it. And, and I'll take the push on whatever option I have there. He's going to have the high end of the number you set, you can't pick a number too high for how much this guy can get the ball. And there's just nobody like him. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking on the Brown side, like it, it would be Nick Chubb, right? Mm-hmm. Probably. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and Nick Chubb is a game ender and a home run hitter. Uh, Christian is a home run hitter from anywhere. And obviously the most multifaceted or dual threat player in the game. I'm just very curious to see how, a JOK is going to match up, yeah. you know, against him and, and just some of the, uh, I mean, even, even the safeties, I think the Brown safeties get a little overlooked in, in some of this, but I'm very curious to see how, you know, they factor in once he gets to that level of the defense. But it, it seems to me that, that that is going to be a, an enormous, an enormous key to the game, but also tell us about DJ Moore. Uh, you know, how do you think that, you know, Denzel, or maybe even Greg will will do against DJ. And how do you think that connection is going to go with Baker and DJ? Well, you guys won't be surprised to hear this, but I haven't seen Baker Mayfield connect with his outside receivers much during training camp, <laughs> even when they're in, but mostly because they're never repping together. Robbie Anderson was very in and out of the lineup during the preseason, even when on the record is saying he doesn't like preseason. The next day, he didn't practice for like, four straight practices. Uh, DJ Moore got the Christian McCaffrey light treatment, meaning everyone talks about Christian being in bubble wrap during the preseason and not playing a snap very quietly. DJ Moore got the same treatment. He played a total of, I think four snaps in the preseason. You saw him very limitedly in, uh, you know, practice situations, even in new England, very limited. Uh, They understand who their go-to guy and their key guys are, and they want to keep them safe. With that, so with that being said, I don't know what DJ and Baker are going to look like. I don't know what Baker to Robbie is going to look like. I can tell you what DJ Moore does best, and we're talking deep over routes. He wants to cross the field like this, right? Get the ball in his hands around 12, 15, 17 yards and run with it. Can Denzel and Greg stay with him in man? I'm, I'm confident. That's, I mean, those are we're talking about Pro Bowl caliber players here, right? If the Browns are in zone, they better know how to pass that off communicate at an expert level or DJ has the ability to take one to the house on a short pass. So when you look at that Panthers defensive side of the ball, JC Horn is of course back. 
you know, Amari Cooper today told us, uh, we're recording this Thursday, told us that he expects fireworks out of the Browns offense this season. So that was interesting. Yeah. If if they're going to prevent those fireworks from happening, who's it going to be on that Panthers defense? Who who are some of the guys who can be disruptive for Jacoby Brissett and this and this Browns offense? Yeah, look, it, it's going to come from a lot of different spots. This defense can attack you at all three levels. Up front, they have a fourth-year edge rusher in the name of Brian Burns, who is in the hope of the team coming into his own here. He was like the 78th-ranked player on the NFL Top 100 looking for that um, mega contract this offseason, but he's never had more than nine sacks, back-to-back seasons with nine sacks. He wants to see double digits, Matt Rule, for the sake of a lot of reasons, obviously, would love to see that be 14 or 15, right? Um, from a safety standpoint, Jeremy Chin is a guy who – Steve Wilkes is here as the defensive back coach, and, and Wilkes is convinced that Jeremy is an all-pro safety. The guy is 6'3". He played linebacker his rookie year, uh, mostly safety a year ago, and they're going to keep him there this year. And that allows him to play everywhere, right? So I, I mentioned Jeremy Chin as a second-level player because I think they're going to keep him around the line of scrimmage, let him disrupt that way, even though he is capable of playing free and getting deep, right? And then J.C. Horn, who you mentioned, Dan, is someone that they surprisingly like to play in the slot and be that big nickel and keep him around the ball and in the action as well. And, you know, now that I'm talking this out with you in real time, the way, right, that I miss this exercise. It's, it's the birth of a lot of stories and, and podcasts, right? Oh, yeah. Um, with how much Cleveland's going to run the ball or you anticipate it and how much they want to flex Harrison Bryant out or whatever, I, I bet they keep JC right there near the line of scrimmage and let their other corners who are – C.J. Henderson from Jacksonville, a 2020 first-round pick, ninth overall. He's only in year three. And then Dante Jackson is the, one of the longer-tenured Panthers. I think an LSU guy, maybe a second-round pick. Uh, you know, but he's been very um, B, B-class defensive back, right? So they have options for Amari Cooper on the outside, and they're going to keep their playmakers near the line of scrimmage to combat Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, and these tight ends. You know, I think that the tight ends are probably a little bit of an overlooked part of the Browns offense. And I feel like uh, that's an area where Jacoby Brissett might be able to try to make some hay a little bit Mm -hmm. with David Njoku and Harrison Bryant. Um, I don't know. I just have a feeling that they're going to be a very big part of this game plan. Totally. Let me add on to that real quick, Mary Kay. I think you're 100% right. The Panthers' uh, starting middle linebacker, Shaq Thompson, he's a captain on this team, been here as long as, you know, the, in the Cam Newton days and the Luke Keekley days, right? He learned from that crew. Um, he missed all the training camp getting a, a minor knee procedure. He got activated from the public a couple weeks ago, whatever. You guys know how it is. He's not in game shape. The questions are always like, will he be limited? We don't know. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Behind him is all question marks. The team signed Corey Littleton, Damian uh, – Damian Wilson, and then a rookie fourth rounder, uh, uh, Brandon Wright, who all of those guys are capable. We just haven't seen it yet. So for a guy like David Njoku, who is, who is often the best or one of the best athletes on the field when he gets out there and a precision route runner like Harrison Bryant, that's going to be an area that the, the Browns could, could pick on and, and have it be advantageous. Okay, so uh, let's get your pick for this one, Ellis. No pressure, right? No one's going to hold me to this. <laughs> of course not. <laughs> nope. I'm going 
Panthers 24, Browns 17. I watched the first half of the Bears-Browns game, and I just had a lot of questions about how that team's going to score the football. You could say the same thing about the Panthers. They're at home, so that'll be my caveat for why I'm picking them to win, and I just think Christian McCaffrey is the ultimate X factor until Miles Garrett disrupts all of this, right? But give me the Panthers 24, Cleveland 17. All right, Mary Kay and I will make our picks a little later uh, in the pot. Else, we'll tell you off the air. Mary Kay, you were going to say something? Yeah, I was going to say, don't be too fooled by that preseason game. They were missing five pro bowlers on offense that game, including Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Joel Batonio, Jack Conklin, Amari Cooper. So just so you know, it's going to look a little different on Sunday. See, I'm not a, a, a texter insider anymore, so these are the <laughs> updates I miss when I'm tuning in for a random Browns game on the tube. So that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. All right. Ellis Williams, of course, the Panthers beat writer for the Charlotte observer used to work for us. Uh, I, if you're listening to this pod, you're probably already following a bit, but if you're not at book of Ellis on Twitter, uh, give him a follow. Like I said, if you're listening to this pod, I can't imagine you unfollowed him for any reason. So uh, if you did make it right, go back and follow him. Seriously. I, I miss all, all of the, the dog pound. And, and before I go, I just want to say, Thank you to both of you. When I got to Cleveland, I was a high school sports reporter. With, that was on my resume, and I had no idea what I was doing going into these NFL locker rooms and these games. And you both took me under my wing and, and treated me like family. And, and I learned so much, both just from literally you guys teaching me, but then just observing how you guys do your work. You're, you're two of the best in the business, and I appreciate everything you guys have done for me, and, and I can't wait to see you on Sunday. So thank you. Well, thanks. We love you, man. We can't wait to see you. Yeah, we appreciate that. You're doing a great job down in Charlotte. And you couldn't have picked two of the crazier years to uh, to cover the Cleveland Browns. But, That's uh, saying something. Alice, it's good to see you again. <laughs> Take care, guys. We appreciate Ellis Williams taking the time to join us. I know uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him this weekend. And uh, it was good to see him here again on the Orange Brown Talk podcast. We should have done like a uh, got to watch the tape, Doug. We should have done like a just let it turn into like a de facto got to watch the tape. I know I, it, it would have been nice uh, to do that with Ellis. I still have not paid off my Carson Wentz bet. And I feel bad about that. I almost brought a Wentz poster to the live show the other night and I couldn't get it printed out. So uh, if <laughs> Ellis is listening back to this part of the podcast, I will pay it off at some point. I d- I'm glad you brought it up because I actually somehow forgot about the Carson Wentz poster. That was, yeah, I'm, I'm still waiting to see that thing hanging. Up. I, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. I promise I'll do it. <laughs> All right, uh, let's look at some props in this game and do some uh, mostly over-unders. And we are going to start with Jacoby Brissett. Uh, Jacoby Brissett's over-under, these are from DraftKings, over-under 203 and a half passing yards. That is not, by definition, that is not fireworks. 203 and a half passing yards. So, uh, remembering that we're also going to be doing a Nick Chubb over-under on rushing yards and rushing attempts. And these things probably kind of go hand in hand here. Doug, why don't you start us over under Jacoby 203 and a half passing yards. So I'm just double checking myself here. I look back at the last 20 starts that Jacoby made five last year and 15 in 2019. And in those games, 203.5 passing yards, he went over that eight times and he was under it 12 times. So different teams, different situations. I don't think they're going to ask him to do much. I think they might want to slow the game down. And I, 
the McCaffrey issue for Carolina, if they're able to like get him going and hold the ball a little bit, I'm going under on this. I don't feel there are other ones coming up that I feel better about that. I, I would, it's a low number. As you said, I still would go under. I still would go under two or three. That is such a low number though, Mary Kay. I mean, like if he throws for 205 passing yards, we're not going to be like, man, Jacoby was awesome today. It's just so, but I think I'm with Doug. I, I think it's probably under, I could see a game where he's really efficient and throws for like, 190 or 195 yeah i i could see that too and it it does sort of feel like a low number uh the only reason why i think uh that they could that he could actually exceed it and i think i'm going to go with the over is because um you know i could see them getting the ball into the hands of some of their tight ends and their playmakers and kareem hunt and those guys getting some yards after catch um, so I think from in that respect, they might get some chunk plays that way. Um, I do think that they're going to find a way to hit, uh, you know, to hit a couple of decent passes, not real long, big fireworky, explosive plays, but a couple of chunk plays here and there. And if you can hit, you know, three or four of those, then, um, you know, then you're going to get yourself to 200. So I think I'm going to go with the over here. All right, so we got two unders, one over. Ashley, what about you? I'm going to go with the under, too. I kind of did what Doug did and was looking at Jacoby's past stats. And like Doug said, I mean, I just kind of think the Browns are going to really rely on Nick Chubb and on their running game. And I think that's going to be where most of the offense comes from. Um, So I just think they're not going to, like you said, ask Jacoby to do that much. So I'm leaning towards the under, but... You know, I can see Mary Kay's reasoning. See now, Irie, we can't gang up on you because you're going last. So you can and you yes can you choose can. to side with yes the majority here. Yes, you can. You know why? Because two things. One, okay, just making sure Doug didn't cut me off. One, because you guys have done it before. But two, because well, what power do I have here? Uh, but going regarding the, uh, you know, the over under, I'm actually going to go under. I think that in the game is actually going to hit, hit a point where Brissett, looking at how much time is left and by how much, you know, how many points they're up on, on the Panthers, that he could mess around and go for 200. But they're not going to ask him to do much. We actually, we, we actually, I think, should have it an over-under regarding, you know, the amount of completions that we'll have. Because because he's talented with them being in that safe, you know, pocket presence, playmaking uh, type of style, that he's going to throw a lot more passes wherever you are, you know, within, within you know, the shortest maybe 10 to 15 yards at most. So he can go around, he can go out and then get your 15 completions, but it's still going to be under 200. Um, but if he does go over 200, I mean, we none of us would mind that at all. But the Panthers, the Panthers are not that good overall as a defense. I mean, they were towards the bottom, but then like the last bottom 10, according to PFF, just for overall defensive rating. So I, yeah. Okay, next one, Nick Chubb. And I feel like these go hand in hand. Like I feel if, you're going to say one, you have to say the other. Um, over under 74 and a half rushing yards, over under 14 and a half rushing attempts. I, again, I just feel like if I'm going to say over, he could carry the ball 10 times and break off two big runs, I guess. But I feel pretty good taking the over on both of those because I think this could be a game, Mary Kay, where the Browns maybe get out early. And as we know, when they get out early and, and have a lead, Kevin Stefanski tends to lean on these running backs. 
Yeah, and so are, now, are you saying because I took the over on Jacoby that I have to take the under on on Nick? Because I still feel like uh, that it would be possible for for Nick to go over that, and maybe I'm overestimating the amount of yards that that this explosive offense is going to generate. <laughs> uh, but I still think there's a world in which Nick can rush for eighty. And Jacoby can throw for two oh five. And, I, and again, I, you know, I don't. Right. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think the, the the two that I would marry together would be the Chubb over rushing and over rushing attempts. Oh, okay. I gotcha. Okay. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go. I guess I'll go over on both of those. Yes, but you know, sometimes uh, Nick has that one long blast, and he doesn't necessarily need uh, a bunch of rushing attempts to to pile up his yards. He averaged. 5.5 yards per carry he he's often good for a long run in the fourth quarter if they play their cards right and use kareem hunt a fair amount i think mary case slowing down there we go um but also go over on both so ashley i mean there is a world where he goes 12 for 80 there is, but I'm going to take the over on both. I looked at his stats from last season. So I'm going to eliminate the final Cincinnati game, which wasn't a real game. He didn't play a ton. He had nine carries for 58 yards. He got more than 14 carries in like 13 of those 16 other games. And one he had exactly 14. And then the, what's the yard number again? 74. Uh, 74 and a half. Yeah. Yeah, he beat that in all but th- four games, in in not including that final game. So I just think, like we said, it's like they're going to start to rely on that run game, especially if they get the, get a lead, and they're going to need to because they're going to need to control the time of possession, and that's how you do it, especially when you have him. So I'll take the over on both. I read Nick uh, over under seventy four and a half yards, over under fourteen and a half attempts. Yes, I am back. I am going to take the over on both. Uh, so, you know, because we're going to rush yards. And I know we're talking numbers early and whatnot, stats. I mean, it is, I believe, his second year, third year, he rushed for 70 yards in the first game of the season, at least 73, 75. And then last year, he, he, he went for, I believe, 83 rushing yards. Uh, I believe we've already mentioned more than enough times regarding the Browns uh, expecting to go within the run game with Nick Chubb being RB1. Of course, of course, he's going to go over for that. I mean, he's going to mess around, probably hit 100 at that. Uh, so I'm definitely going to take the over for both. Doug, what about you? Yeah, the number actually confuses me. It almost worries me because it doesn't make sense to me that it's this low. I looked at the last two years, like early season, Nick Chubb, when he's healthy and rested and Kevin Stefanski can do what he wants to do, which was the first five games of last year and the first three games of the year before. And then he had injury issues both times. In those eight games, he went over 74 and a half yards in seven of the eight. And he went over 14 and a half carries in six of the eight. And the the one game where he didn't do either of them was the opener against Baltimore, the first Stefanski year when they just got blown out. Right. So if I don't think the Panthers are going to blow the Browns out and I think whether they're ahead or behind, they're going to run Nick Chubb. If they're ahead, they're going to run Nick Chubb. If they're behind, as you said, Dan, with the fireworks, it, like their best chance to catch up is still to run Nick Chubb. So I, it's an odd number. I, I don't it's inexplicable to me because there's a Kareem Hunt thing coming up. Like, do you think Hunt's going to take away like what? 
I almost can't envision him not getting to 75 rushing yards. I don't know what that scenario is if it's a normal football game and he's healthy the whole time. So we're all on the over. And I, and I think that's exactly the right place to be with both. Yeah. I mean, like, it makes me a little nervous that we're all looking at this and being like, duh, of course he's going to go over. Like, <laughs> like, what are we missing? What, what are we missing that whoever set this well, up? Is I know. It? I think I think we acknowledge it that like he does have a tendency in some of these games to rip off one or two really long runs. So that number might be you know diluted a little bit, even if he has the yards. That could be the issue, or it could be I don't know. Like the only other the only team I can think of that's game plan for him really well, especially like last year, was the the Ravens when he had eight carries for sixteen yards. Like I don't think the Panthers are capable of that. Okay, I'm gonna go. We have a cream hunt coming. One coming up, Doug mentioned that. I want to skip to this one, though, on the list that I sent you guys. Christian McCaffrey, over under 117 and a half combined rushing and receiving. And I want to skip to this one because, Ashley, when you mentioned the positionless defense thing back in our first segment, this was actually the first thing that popped into my head. This is a really good test for Jeremiah Wusukoromoa and the three safeties and how the Browns are going to deploy this defense. So when you said positionless defense, I thought to myself, all right, Christian McCaffrey is the guy that's going to test that. And I think this over under 117 and a half is a really interesting number. I can't decide what I'm going to do. So I'm going to make, uh, I'm going to make you guys talk about it first. So Ashley positionless defense, is it going to, is it going to slow down Christian McCaffrey? You know what? This is tough because I do wonder how this defense is going to look in the first game of the year. And I do wonder if Christian McCaffrey is going to be one of those guys where like, you just can't, you can't stop him necessarily, but how can you slightly slow him down and make sure somebody else doesn't kill you on top of what he does. But I think I kind of am leaning towards this defense, getting a handle on it. I think that's like the most important guy to game plan around when you're an opposing defense and you're playing the Panthers. So I'm going to go with the under here and I might be being kind of crazy looking at some Christian McCaffrey's numbers from when he's healthy, but I'm going to give this defense the benefit of the doubt. And like you said, Dan, it's a real test. And I think if there are some glaring holes in this defense, we're going to see it in how they defend him. Now, Mary Kay, um, obviously we, we know that Christian McCaffrey popped up on the injury re- report today. Uh, Matt Rule said it was nothing, uh, but I guess he got cut by a cleat or something like that. But, you know, in my mind, like if, if the Panthers are going to win this game, it's, it's really not going to be because of Baker Mayfield. It's going to be because Christian McCaffrey's the best mm-hmm. offensive player on the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it could end up being uh, the Christian McCaffrey versus sort of Nick Chubb highlight show in, in some way. So I'm going to go with the over on this. Uh, I still think that the Browns, uh, they, they're not going to be real sure yet how their pieces and parts fit together on their defense yet. Uh, I still wonder about the defensive tackles and you know, their ability to, to stop those even runs right up the middle. Um, they'll set the edge well. Um, and, you know, if they get better play this year out of Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa and their linebackers, then, you know, they should be okay. But I don't know. I, I, see, I see Christian McCaffrey having a big day. Doug, I, I was thinking about, like, if we drafted 
offensive players in this game, it would be a bunch. It would probably be like a good number of Browns players, but like Christian McCaffrey, you'd have to maybe even consider him for the number one pick. Yeah, no, for sure. I think I'd take him number one. I wouldn't bet the over on this because I don't know if he's going to make it through the game healthy, right? (laughs) From a gambling standpoint, I don't want to bet anything on an over on McCaffrey, but that's not really the conversation we're having, right? We're talking about how, if assuming he's healthy, which is a tough assumption, like what's he going to do the Browns defense? You know, you would hope, right? In space, JOK, Martin Everson, Greg Newsom, like these got these are the guys who maybe should be McCaffrey stoppers if he's catching screen passes or swing passes or you know running wide zone that kind of thing you feel like they have some athletes to maybe handle a guy like that but I think we've lost the thread a little bit on McCaffrey because he has been so hurt when he's healthy he's as dangerous as anybody in the NFL right so but I, I do think maybe this Browns defense at least has some guys who can try to handle him so I think I think I think that's okay. I think the Browns, I don't, I don't think they'll lose the game just because Christian McCaffrey goes crazy. I mean, like he's the most important part of the Panthers offense, but uh, from a gambling standpoint, don't bet on, don't bet on an over on McCaffrey <laughs> because he might turn his ankle in the second quarter. And then you'll be like, I just threw money away. Yeah. So I read, uh, you go back McCaffrey uh, the last two years, he was healthy 2018 and 2019. He had 1,965 total yards in 2018 and then 2,392 in 2019. That's one of the best seasons a running back has ever had in the NFL. One of the best all-around seasons a running back has ever had. So he's got this in him. Question is, is he going to have it in him on Sunday? Uh, that's what actually hurts because for those that enjoy watching dynamic running backs kill the opposing defenses on in a rushing game and a receiving game, that was an incredible season, but it sucks because he's only played what I believe a total of 10 games combined in, in, in the last two seasons. Yeah. So regarding Sunday, Sunday is not going to make, make or break him. Uh, regarding if he hits this, this number or not for gamblers and help, that was making some money. But personally, from the gambling side, I'm going to take the under. I think his presence alone, I think as Joe Wood said earlier in the press conference, you know, it's going to spread the defense. Uh, that's because that's just the type, the type of guy, the type of running that he is. Where you can just slice through um, any defense in front of him. But health-wise, I mean, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not sure if they even going to play him the full game. They may know some that 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 we don't. Uh, you know, Matt Rule be saying that the injury from earlier was nothing, but it could be something deeper. You just don't know. But I'm going to take the under from a gambling perspective. I I'm going to take the under too because I'm going to bet on this defense. Um, I, we talk about how this defense is built and who this defense is built to stop. And we talk about Lamar Jackson. We talk about, you know, the Bengals and all their receivers and like this defense, the way they built it to be fast, to be versatile. I want to see it against Christian McCaffrey. Like if this defense is as good as we think it is, I'm not saying they have to shut Christian McCaffrey down because Christian McCaffrey is a great player. You don't necessarily shut him down. But I want to. I think it's okay to believe that this defense should be able to limit the damage Christian McCaffrey does. So I'm going to take the under here, uh, more because I have an expectation for this defense. Okay, Kareem Hunt was one of our other ones again. Same thing, uh, rushing and receiving total, and the number here is 52 and a half. I made you guys all go first last time. I'll go first this time. I'm torn on this. Logic tells me to take the under because Kareem last year, I like didn't put up gigantic numbers, 
But I think in this passing attack, and I think we are going to see those two back sets, I think Kareem Hunt can have a really good game. And I don't think Nick Chubb having a good game precludes him from hitting this total. I think this is the Chubb Hunt show on Sunday. So I'm going to take the over here, uh, 52 and a half. Who else is taking the over? I'm taking the over. He would have hit that last year again, looking at uh, looking at his stats from last year in just about every game he played in. Now, granted, he missed half the season uh, with the ankle and the calf injuries, but I think it's feasible. And like you said, Dan, I know we got a lot of questions about this last night at our live podcast taping about how much we think they'd be out there. But I think we still that's something we still haven't fully seen. Right. Since those guys didn't play in the preseason. Um, And I think it's something the Browns want to kind of spring on opposing teams. But in OTAs, like I said, we did kind of see them using Kareem almost lined up like a tight end. I think we'll see that. I think we'll see him in the slot. Like there's a lot of possibilities they have. And I think 52 and a half is just kind of a a low number that if they are using him, like how we even are kind of have an inkling that they're going to use him. I think he's going to hit the over on that. Anybody else taking the over on this one? You know, Oh, go ahead. Doug. This is a this is a lock. This is a lock. Ooh, a lot. We Last, need like a sound effect. Yeah. And Last two years, lock. early season, Hunt and Chubb out there together. Five games last year. First five games last year, first four games the year before. He goes over 52 and a half in eight of the nine games. The one time he's under is he had 51 in the opener last year. Last year, he opened with 51 and 53. That might be where they got the 52 and a half. They just took the first two games last year and middled it. I think it's weird again. Like this is if Nick Chubb, the over under for Chubb is 74 rushing and the over under combined for for Hunt is 52. If both those guys go under, there is no way the Browns win. Like how, what's their offense? If Chubb has like 63 rushing yards and, and Kareem has like 47 combined yards, did they score any points in that situation? Are they kicking? Is it three 50 yard cage York field goals? And that's their whole offense. Like a miles Garrett fumble recovery. I, I don't, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. Again, the numbers, they just, they seem off to me. I, I think you hit this hard first five games last year, 51, 53, 155, 86, 89 yards from scrimmage for Kareem Hunt. So it's 52 and a half. And again, it's early season. What can Steven, Kevin Stefanski wants to do before, before your body gets worn down, all this stuff. They're going to use them both. I, I say way over on this for Kareem. Mary Kay, are you, no, are you no, jump in there with the over. Yes, I was going to say over, which is kind of funny because I'm just picking like (laughs) over for everything on offense, but I just don't think these numbers are super high. So they're not, you know, it's not like, you know, it's been really difficult to think that Chubb could rush for 75 yards. Um, But as far as Kareem is concerned, the only thing that could sidetrack this one is the hold in factor of Kareem Hunt over the summer. Will they hold it against him? I asked Kevin Stefanski that question yesterday. He said, no, they're, they're not going to hold that against him and that, um, that he's going to be a big part of what they do. So if he's telling the truth on that, then as Doug mentioned, this is a lock. The only way that I can see it not being a lock is if they decide that they are going to use, um, other guys instead of him to try to, you know, kind of punish him a little bit, but I don't think they would do that. I don't think they're going to cut off their nose to spite their face. I think they're going to realize that Kareem hunt is a weapon and they're going to use him 
And I just don't think it's too much to ask that he can rush for, you know, 35 yards and catch for 25. You know what the best way for, we talked about this in our live show. There was no, there's no way Kevin Stefanski could end up on the hot seat. You know what the best way to end up on the hot seat is start losing football games because you're trying to punish Kareem Hunt. And doesn't it like, even if like, I mean, that's, it's, it's just not likely. Like I agree with everything Mary Kay said, but even if like they were thinking about that, don't you think if there's like one position coach who could talk a head coach off of that ledge, it would be stump Mitchell. Like the way he fights for those guys, the way he like Dearness Johnson basically continued to make this team because of how hard stump Mitchell fought for him. Like, I think he has a really great relationship with those guys and it's probably just in the past at this point. Irie, what do you think? Yeah. I'm also going to go over to, I was actually also torn on this, uh, not that we were expecting Hunt to go for 100 total yards from scrimmage, but I, I just remember thinking with the attack that they're going, the type of scheme that they're going to run with, it's definitely, I mean, they have no fullbacks, no, nobody listed at fullback on this team for a reason. So, yes, we're going to be seeing a whole lot more of Chubb and Hunt within a two-back two slot, I believe. Uh, but regarding Hunt, I, I was thinking if he goes under, it's probably going to be right underneath 50. If he goes over, he'll probably stop no more than like 65. It's not going to take much within this office and the way that they're running it with percent of quarterback for him to, to get as many as 30 yard receiving yards, uh, you know, within only what, like two to three passes and they can only go on from there. The Panthers are not that good when it comes to the, uh, to, to the, the rush blocking and that. So, I mean, only since, I mean, it's just the fact that Hunt is dynamic, and at his best, when he's really in the motion, is one of the best running backs that, you know, uh, around there. So, and he's already amongst the best when it comes to backup running backs and being, you know, top up there. So I definitely have him within the over in this. Okay, I'm going to throw this one out. This is a quick one. And then we're going to take a break and make our picks. Uh, so there was this this parlay, I guess it is, on DraftKings uh, that our boss, Dave Campbell, sent uh, our way. Baker Mayfield. 300 plus passing yards, three pass, three plus passing touchdowns and a Panthers win. The odds on this are plus 2,200. So I'm not a math major, but it's pretty good. If you put a little bit of money on this and it hits 300 plus passing yards, three plus passing touchdowns and a Carolina win. Yes or no. Can I, can I interject real quick? Just yes. to, I want everyone to guess. I looked it up 59 career starts for Baker Mayfield. Yeah. How many times has that happened? 300 passing yards, three passing touchdowns, and his team won. The Browns won. I was just looking at this. So it's 10 games of over 300 yards. That's not a guess if you look at three it up. of three now of those you're just games. Reading stats. Oh, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Let them guess. Let them guess. Once. <laughs> I don't know. Once or no or no times. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say three times. I'll, what's I, what's Irie's guess? I'll say once. Irie, you have a guess? Do I have to guess? I don't want you talking it up with me again. Listen, man, I yell at everybody all the time. Do so I feel like listening? I don't know. It's going to happen. How two. many? It's two, two out of 59. It was in 2019, the Miami game. They won 41-24. He threw for 327 and three touchdowns. 
2020, the Tennessee game, right? Like the peak of the, of the Browns almost under Kevin Stefanski, 41 points uh, in a win. They almost lost it at the end, but three for three, three and four touchdowns. So he's two for 59 and you're only getting 22 to one. Eh, I don't know. The odds probably should be higher on this actually happening. So you're, so you're saying instead of betting this, just let your money on fire. Let's go outside, have a nice little fire of $1 uh, bills. Probably. By the way, I mean, I, well, I don't even know what this podcast is going to be like if Baker Mayfield throws for 300 yards, three touchdowns, and Carolina beats the Browns. I, I mean, what's this city going to do? Save your money to rebuild Cleveland in case it actually happens. <laughs> it's going to be our most listened to podcast ever, probably. All right, we're going to take a break. And then on the other side, we're going to offer up our game picks. And also, we're going to throw in our season predictions real quick uh, after this. And back on the Orange Brown Talk podcast, let's wrap this thing up with our predictions. And also because it is the first game of the season, we're going to throw our season predictions out there. There are some posts up on cleveland.com slash Browns as well with those predictions. We'll just kind of go around the horn as we're recording this on at about seven o'clock on Thursday. This game was a pick em. If I'm not mistaken, Carolina was actually favored in this game for a while. So True. yeah, so yeah. It's certainly, yeah, a lot of people seem to be picking the Browns, at least when the Panthers were favored. So it is a pick them at this point. Uh, So let's go around the horn. Mary Kay, your game pick. And then also give us a season record, too. My game pick. I'm going to pick the Browns to win this game. My score is 20 to 16 in part because it seemed like every week they were holding an opponent to 16 points or fewer last year. They did that on nine occasions. Uh, So I'm going 2016 uh, for the game. And uh, for my season prediction, I I opted out of writing a predictions post uh, because I just didn't feel like I really necessarily wanted to do that. Um, But my gut tells me that they will win somewhere around nine games. So that that's, that's going to be my story for right now. And I'm, I'm sticking with it. I'm just going to go in the order. I see everybody here on zoom. So Irie, you're up next. No, 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 no. I want to go last. Okay. Going last. Okay. I'm going last. Ashley. Thank I you. am also picking the Browns to win this game, uh, throwing out a score prediction. I am going to say 24 to 17. And for my season prediction, I did write that they would, I think, win nine games, that that's a feasible possibility. I think it's possible to win about six games with Jacoby Brissett as your starter in the first 11. And then I even gave them kind of a cushion for when Deshaun Watson comes back. I broke it all down in my preview story, but I had them going three and three once he returns in those last six games, just because of some growing pain so i think nine wins is possible it might be optimistic but it's there's definitely a path there in my opinion doug i have carolina winning 23 20 um i just i don't have a lot of faith in the offense at the moment with jacoby Brissett and this receiving core as we talked about i do have faith in nick chubb and kareem hunt um i think mccaffrey uh could be a problem i just I just, it's one of the things, listen, I know people are tired of like, we know this guy, right? We know Baker Mayfield. And 
People love him. People don't love him. I think he's probably going to play pretty well because he seems like he's healthy and he's probably mad. Like, I don't know what he, what he did or didn't say. He's probably mad. And that's when he's at his best. He's not Deshaun Watson. He's not, but he has at times been a pretty competent quarterback. And there are some people that think Carolina is an interesting dark horse here. And I just don't like the general state of the Browns passing game. And so then you, you stack up to stop the run and you're putting it all on the defense and Carolina just has enough dudes to make a couple plays. And I think it's close, but it's at Carolina. I'll take Carolina by a field goal. When I go through the 11 games without Deshaun, I have one sure win, four sure losses and six toss-ups. So if they're going to get the six wins, they got to go five and one in the toss-ups. And I don't think they're going to do that. I think they win more like four games without Deshaun. And I've got them at seven and 10. I, I lost track a, a little. I thought you were going to say they were, I thought you were going to stop it. They win four games there for a second. I yeah. thought we were going to have like a, an no. hour long, an hour more to go here. If that was going to be the case. All right. Um, I, Agree with Doug that I think Baker is a better quarterback than what we saw last year. I do think he is a guy that is, I don't know if he's top half of the league. He's probably in that 15, 20 range at worst. Um, And I think he'll play okay on Sunday. But the last time I saw Baker Mayfield play a football game was against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I saw what TJ Watt and that defensive line did to Baker Mayfield. And I just, find it really hard to believe that Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney and this secondary can't wreak some level of havoc on him, can't make it almost impossible for him to see, force a couple turnovers. You know, if Carolina's really running a more wide open offense, that means Baker's going to turn the ball over more. That's just, that's been the MO throughout his career so far. So I think because of that, because of the defense, not because I have faith in the offense outside of Chubb, Hunt, and Cooper, because of the defense, I think the Browns win this game. I think it's close. I think it's relatively low scoring. I'm going to go 21 to 17. Browns win. My season prediction, by the way, eight and nine. I think they missed the playoffs. Obviously, if they go eight and nine, they're going to miss the playoffs. Um, I just, I don't have real high hopes for uh, for how this team is going to do when the schedule gets really tough. And I don't want to put too much on like, oh, Deshaun's back after nearly two years. They're going to run the table. So I think eight and nine, uh, and it's going to be a very interesting discussion around that record. All right, Irie, you wanted to go last. Bring us home. I did. I wanted, uh, for the people that are listening to this right now, maybe you're falling asleep to this. I want to make sure you fall asleep to my voice. Uh, but regarding that, <laughs> I, regarding my game pick, I'm going to go with the Browns. I am going to do 24-13. I, I think I'm not going to be fooled by the whole spice that's been created by press conference sound bites from Baker Mayfield to Miles Garrett. I think Baker was definitely mad. I think he's going to go in feeling dangerous. You know, I think he's going to cause havoc for maybe the first 25 minutes, and then it's going to go down from there. Baker Mayfield will, will, go out, will come out the gate some momentum. I think he'll, he'll, he'll get a nice series going. He'll build momentum, get a nice touchdown in. And then Miles Garrett, as Doug said earlier, is going to bring up the south when it text him, you know, I'm going to read you now. 
and then and then and then I think that that was pretty much game over from there. I think that the the touchdowns are just going to be coming from the rushing game, the Nick Chubb and Kareem Unshow. I think there'll be some side notes and sense from the receiving court, such as People Jones or uh, Cooper. But I see this game going 24-13. Now, before I I mention my uh, my record, I I just want to know there's going to be multiple ugly, multiple low scoring games multiple low scoring performances just because Brissette is not the type of QB you can look at all the time to create opportunities. It's going to be multiple ugly games. It's going to be multiple games for the defense is going to, going to be the ones that have to win those uh, games for this team. But I think this is all part of maybe the new guy-itis maybe I have right now. Not only am I going to say that this team will win double-digit wins, they're going to go 11-6. and six. Whoa. 11-6. and six. You picked him to win the division in our live show. I, it was, I had to. Everybody was choosing Baltimore. Like, no, who, who in Not the crowd? Everybody. I chose Cincinnati. Are they Cleveland? <laughs> no. But you can get your Bengals coverage now at cleveland.com slash Bengals. So make sure you check that out. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right. That was wonderful. I, I think that's it. Oh, Mary Kay, did you have something to add? I was just going to say, what a better way for Irie to get the fans on his side and get rolling along with him uh, as he joins our coverage team than to pick the Browns to go 11 and 6. So good for you, Irie. I think there's a strategy here. Thank you, America. I, I really appreciate that. Yeah, I, I'll be on subjects a bit more. Hopefully, you guys are nice to me. Hopefully, you guys don't try to troll me or, or curse me out or anything so uh yeah see <laughs> dog it's not it, it's not that hard to be nice man it's not dude I, I, dude, I don't know what it is. dude you brought it on yourself i'm what not just dis- you said the browns fourth string running back could start for 10 teams i'm reacting start to the Panthers? comment not the, Panthers? Not the commentator uh, the bears you think the panthers have christian mccaffrey how is Jerome Ford going to start for them? When he's hurt. You think he's going to start? <laughs> All you right. Think, you think he's going to another stick, full season in his NFL stick, career? Do you really stick, think that with his health? Just stick to your 11 and 6. Stay in that range and everybody will love it. That, I'm right, not disagreeing with that. I'm not disagreeing with that. All right, there we go. Our preview of the Carolina Panthers Sunday, 1 o'clock. Uh, we'll be back with our usual post-game show on Sunday at some point after the game, after we get settled, get a few things written, uh, we'll have our post-game show and then a full week of pods coming your way, uh, breaking down that game and looking ahead to Joe Flacco, our old buddy Joe Flacco, coming back to First Energy Stadium with the New York Jets. 17-3 and career record against the Cleveland Browns. How about that? Okay, uh, for Mary Kay Cabot, Irie Harris, Ashley Bastock, Doug Maurice, I'm Dan Lobby. Also, thanks to Ellis Williams for joining us to talk all about the Panthers. And we will talk to you after the game on Sunday. Thanks for listening, everybody. 